are going to get to uh, Luke chapter 2 in just a little while, but we're going to begin this morning by uh, moving to the end of Luke's gospel. If you are one of those who are serving communion, you can make your way down up front at this time. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, here's what Jesus uh, is recorded doing. Dr. Luke writes, and Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus tells us he wants us to remember, to cherish the atoning, cleansing sacrifice that he made for you and me on the cross at Calvary. That's why about every six weeks, we take a portion of our service and we celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus. Why? Because that's what makes new life in Jesus Christ possible. It's the body, it's the blood. And uh, I want you to know you don't need to be a member here at Walloon in order to participate with us. If you know Jesus personally, if you've said, I do, by faith to the body and the blood that he offered on that cross for us, if you've said, yes, I believe I received Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, uh, we invite you to remember the greatest demonstration of love in all of history. What's that? Jesus on the cross. For you, for me. He took the hit for all of our sin, past, present, future. So just take a few moments, bow your heads. Would you, let's uh, allow the Lord to do some inventory on our lives before Him this morning. We're remembering uh, the cleansing, the washing, the new life He offers. It does make sense for us first to pause and then ask the Lord, Lord, is there sin that uh, we haven't yet looked at and dealt with? Is there garbage that needs to be taken out? I want to do that right now. Would you make yourself clear? Words I've said that were wrong and maybe I just didn't take it to the cross yet. Maybe there are some things you've looked at that God's Word says, no, that's wrong and that's sin. Maybe attitudes, thoughts, motives uh, that, Lord, that didn't belong, that was wrong. As Jesus makes things clear to you, would you do the U-turn? So as He's pointing out some things, maybe uh, you've ignored, maybe you've just forgotten Maybe you've excused, no longer, uh, enough of that. Now we're going to do the U-turn, and we're going to repent and run to the cross. And here's the great news. Are you ready? At the moment of salvation, when you said, yes, Jesus, I believe, I receive, born again at that moment, all your sin was marked paid in full by the shed blood of the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Is that not amazing? What you're doing right now, you're writing a check on that account. Right now, as he's making things clear, you're going to confess. 1 John 1 is clear. If we confess our sins, if we call it the same. So what the Lord is making clear to you right now, you're going to call it what he calls it. It's sin. And as we draw on that account that's already been marked paid in full, Jesus, would you wash and cleanse and purify, as we call it the same thing you do.
reason we can stand clean and pure and right with Jesus, Myron, is he willingly took our place. He offered that sinless body on our behalf. Would you praise him for that? Lord, thank you so much for uh, leaving the glory of heaven, Lord, and coming down uh, to your people. Lord, we thank you that you willingly went to the cross for us. Lord, we thank you especially that uh, in that time, in that hour, Lord, that you didn't renege, Lord, that you went through with it. And Because, uh, Lord, where would we be if you decided and said, no, this is too hard, I'm not going through with it. So, Lord, thank you so much. We remember what you did for us that day, that you were the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Oh, praise. 
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. possible guilt to go a day without sinning thought, word, or deed. And yet all of our sin is washed and cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus. Would you thank him for that? Lord, we're reminded that uh, we all stand condemned until that one drop of blood fell, Lord, for all of us. And uh, you came here as a baby left here as our Savior, Lord. So thank you for being willing to go to the cross for us, for letting your blood pour that all mankind would have the opportunity to claim you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Dark King. 
your spirit. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. After supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Till he returns. The men will pick up uh, your empty cups at this time. We will be taking up a benevolent offering at the conclusion of this service. This morning we're going to look at the, the very first people who were uh, introduced to the newborn King of Kings, Lord of Lords. When the second person of the Trinity took on human form, born in a barn, his first visitors were not emperors or kings or princes. Very first uh, visitors were not even mayors or governors. The first people who were introduced to the newborn king were shepherds. <laughs> and I need to tell you a little bit about shepherds in biblical times. Uh, shepherds did not have a good reputation. In general, they were thought of as a bunch of thieves. Uh, they were like nobodies. If you couldn't get a job anywhere else, okay, you can be a shepherd. They uh, were despised, they were mistreated, uh, they were the lowest rung on the financial ladder. Um, they just could not be trusted in general. Uh, they touched blood, they touched animals, they were unclean. So these are Jews who were unclean almost all the time. 
Therefore, they couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't offer sacrifices. They were considered dirty and unclean physically and spiritually. These were unclean people. Secondly, shepherds were at the bottom of the financial ladder. Uh, They were the minimum wage people. Uh, They lived, they ate, they slept with the sheep. Uh, Their job, and if you go to Israel today, uh, you'll, you'll notice that most shepherds today are little girls. Like, no one else will do it, let the little girls do it. Again, they were at the bottom of the financial ladder. And, and it often attracted people with a past. If you were a criminal, if you had a bad past, you didn't observe the Old Testament law, uh, yeah, you can be a shepherd. We'll, we'll take you. So uh, they were thought of so poorly, they were not even allowed to testify in court. And, and I was wondering, why, why was that? And the answer is, uh, because they didn't have much money, they were fairly easily bribed. And if you wanted a shepherd to say something, give them a little money, and oftentimes they would say whatever you wanted to say. So therefore, they were not at this time allowed to testify in court. Luke chapter 2 is where we're at. Uh, We're going to read again about the very first people to greet the newborn Jesus Christ, born in a manger. We're going to begin with verse 8. We're going to read all the way down through verse 20. Would you stand with me if you're able? Let's uh, declare God's word out loud together. Ready? Here we go. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Lord, those are uh, really familiar words. <laughs> and we hear them a lot this time of year. So would you uh, make these words that you inspired Dr. Luke to write down, would you, would you infuse them with new and fresh, and, and might they come alive today in your church? And Lord, we want to just pause and say thank you. 
for not just caring about kings and presidents and the rich and the powerful of this world. Thank you, Lord, for caring about the plain, ordinary nobodies like most of us. Lord, thank you for caring about even the despised and the rejected. And you care about them even today, 2019. Lord, would you give us a heart for those who are despised and rejected? And we invite you, Lord, to come and take charge today in your church. Lord, would you speak and use your words to speak and nudge and teach and challenge us through the words we just read out loud together. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. It's a calm, dark night. Sheep baas every once in a while. And uh, thank you. And then the sky explodes. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine? Suddenly you got this angel and then this host of angels. And they're appearing before a bunch of social outcasts. These people nobody really wants anything to do with. Shepherds. And I just want you to grab a hold of the fact that good news, great joy is given first to a bunch of nobodies. Uh, half-asleep shepherds, and the angel comes and said, I've got some really good news for you. Really amazing news for you. Verse 11, today in the town of David, the town of Bethlehem, they would have known that, a Savior, the Messiah, has been born. And guys, you're going to know who this shepherd is because he's got this purple silk onesie on, and it's going to be amazing. Is that what he says? You're going to know who this baby is. He's wearing, he's wearing swaddling cloths, which is really strips, strips of cloth that have been torn and wrapped. That was what poor people did. That was what paupers did. And oh, by the way, he's going to be in the same place where you feed the sheep. He's going to be lying where, where you feed the sheep, which is the manger. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, you know, it's the middle of the night. And those lousy sheep are going to be up really early. I know it. Uh, crack of dawn, we're going to have to feed them. We're going to have to water them. It's just a few hours away. It's going to be a bad day, and it's going to be really hard. So let's go, go back to sleep. And, you know, we've got Thursday off this week, so let's keep our ears open. Let's just kind of pray about what the angels said. That's not what happened. Verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. We got, we got to go. We got to go now. So they packed a lunch. Did, did they go and buy batteries for their flashlights? Did they stop and get a coffee and a Slurpee on the way? Uh, no. Verse 16 is real clear. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I would just say key lesson 
for me, key lesson for us here, the shepherds were available. Why appear to a bunch of nobody outcasts? Because they were willing to be interrupted. They were willing to be available and give their time and give their energy, and they were ready and willing to respond now to what the Lord was making clear to them. Now just contrast that. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 tells us that wise men from the east appear at Herod's door. Remember that? And in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come in and they say, where is this king who's to be born the king of the Jews? And Herod calls chief priests, uh, scribes, the, the religious leaders, and he says, where where, where is this king supposed to be born? That's easy, Herod, an easy one. Micah 5, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, here's what's interesting. Religious scholars, many of them memorized the entire Old Testament. Okay, These were the really smart ones of the Jews, but they were too busy, too scheduled, too distracted with life to get up and go find out if maybe the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, had actually been born. That's what amazes me. Seven, eight miles away. I don't know if you know that, but here's Jerusalem, seven, eight miles away. Short, little, little stroll down the road, but they're saying, uh, no, no, I, I'm, I'm just, I got plans. I've got a schedule to keep. They were not willing to be interrupted to see if God was skin on had been born just down the road. So you got the shepherds, it's like they're all over it right away. And now you have these religious, they, they knew all about God's Word. They, they knew the Old Testament inside and out, but they weren't willing to be interrupted. So here's my question. If this next week um, the Lord wants to interrupt you, are you going to respond more like shepherds? <laughs> I'm all in, Lord. I'm available. Or are you more likely to respond like the religious scholars and teachers? You know what? I'd really like to do what you're making clear, Lord, but I got this schedule and I got things to do and I can't mess with what I've got planned. Verse 17. When people are willing to be interrupted, when, when we're willing to be available, some pretty amazing things happen. Here's what it says, verse 17. When they had seen him, when they had seen the newborn king, Jesus, uh, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what these shepherds were saying to them. I really like this. The very first Christian missionaries, very first people to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ, were a bunch of nobodies, were, were outcasts, plain, ordinary, unschooled, sheep manure stuck to the bottom of their worn-out sandals. You understand what I'm talking about? Those were the first missionaries. They got to testify about King Jesus being born. Now, they couldn't testify in court, no, we don't trust you, but now everywhere they're going, they're out testifying about Jesus Christ. He's born. We've seen him. 
And I would just argue with you right now, these shepherds represent us. We're sinners saved by grace. And we're called, just like the shepherds, to share the good news of Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, with our families. The good news of great joy. And here's the good news, you ready? Jesus is alive. And he's done a work in me, and he'll do a work in you if you'll let him. That's the good news. Now, two main reasons why we don't share like the shepherds. I would just like to present these to you. You let them, let them marinate a little bit. Two reasons why we don't share so freely and tell everybody about Jesus. Ready? Here's the first one. We've bought the lie that we have to have all the answers before we ever open our mouths about Jesus. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start talking about Jesus to others, but, but I don't have enough facts accumulated. I haven't studied long again. I'm not ready to share about Jesus because I don't know enough yet. What if somebody asks me a question I don't have the answer for? And I just wonder, how many of you kind of feel that way? I, I don't think I know enough about Jesus to share it. Can I see you? Anybody? Yeah. You can lift it up. It's okay. You're, you're in good company. There's lots of people around you. Uh, we, we feel like I don't know enough, uh, and, and I just want to remind you, the guys with the best answers were the scholars in Matthew chapter 2. You know the ones who had the easy answer for Herod? They knew all the answers, but they wouldn't even get off their lazy boy and go down the road and see if Jesus really had been born and the Messiah really had arrived. Listen closely. Lots of answers to hard questions doesn't save souls. I hope you know that. It's not having all the answers. Uh, it's good. It's good to know about God's Word. It's really good to know apologetics, but our intellectual answers is not what brings new life to people and sees their lives changed. I I'm telling you, it's when we're passionate it's when we're filled with joy and love, that's what speaks to people. That's what these shepherds were doing. They were amazing. Why? They were excited. They were real. They were honest. We've seen the newborn king, and he's amazing, and people looked at him, and they were stunned. These are shepherds. Look at them. Ordinary social misfits, but they've got a passion for the king, and I would argue that's what we're called to be passionate and excited and filled with joy and love. And it's okay to say, you know what, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that question. Um, I'll get back to you on that. But here's what I do know. Jesus Christ has done a work in this sinner's life and he'll do the same in yours. You understand? He, we don't have to have every answer our, our testimony, he's alive in me, and he'll come alive in you too. You understand? Okay. Second reason we don't share like Jesus, we share Jesus like the shepherds did. Second reason why we're not so free to just share everywhere we're going. Are you ready? Is because we don't want people to think we're weird. And I won't ask you to hold your hand up, but, but that's probably the bigger one. Uh, we're afraid, well, if I start talking about Jesus too much, they're going to think I'm really strange and I'm really weird. And the truth is, 
We care more about what other people think of us than the fact that they don't know Jesus, they're lost, and they're headed for a Christless eternity. And, and that's hard to swallow, but it's the truth. I, I really care uh, what other people think about me, just like we did in sixth grade and seventh grade. And, it, and they're desperate for Jesus, and they've got no hope and no answers, and they've got no new life in Christ, and yet I care more about what they might think about me. I want to share uh, Papa Joe, the campus pastor at Northridge. Here's, here's something I'm learning. I, I don't pretend I got this yet, but um, here, here's just a thought. Every time uh, I've eaten with him, and I've eaten several times with Papa Joe, the waitress or the waiter comes up, and uh, Papa Joe introduces himself, and he says, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And he's talking to the waitress or the waiter. How, how can I pray for you? And I remember one time the waitress says, you know what, I'm, I'm really not into that Jesus church stuff. And Papa Joe says, that's okay. Um, I'm not asking you to be. I'm just asking how can I pray for you? And, and as soon as he said that, then she just starts spilling things she wanted prayer about, okay? And, and again, they're, they're sharing, and they're sharing. We're right there uh, in, in a table surrounded by lots of other folks, and one is, pray, could you pray for my daughter? Uh, could, could you pray? And one whispered, could you pray for a new job? Uh, she didn't want everybody. Could, could you pray for my marriage? And they're sharing their hearts. And, and then he, he said, can I pray for you now? And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is interesting. And uh, so he grabs their hand and he's praying for them. And, and I'm telling you, several of them are crying now. Only one time did one turn him down when he says, can I pray for you now? Everybody else says yes, and he prays for them. Now here's what's interesting. The next time you come into the same restaurant, those waitresses are looking for Joe. And they're coming up with them, even if it's not... They're not at our table now. They're, they're giving him updates about their struggles. They're, they're coming up to this stranger and giving him praise reports about the requests that he prayed for. And, and I'm just telling you, it's wild. I've been a pastor for 38 years, and I just want you to know, I'm still growing in this one. But, but I, I just want you to know, I, I've seen it, and it works. And, and when you say, you know what, I've got good news of great joy for all people, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, it helps when I realize, why would I not share in a loving, kind, caring way? I'm not talking about being rude or being a jerk. Why would I not share about the greatest thing in life with lonely, hurting people who have no hope, who have no peace. Final lesson for us from the shepherds, verse 20. And this is interesting. This is the final words that God's Word has to say about these shepherds. This is the final scene, if you will, on the shepherds. The shepherds returned. Returned where? Back to the sheep, back to the fields. They returned and they are glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Had a good picture? <laughs> They're excited. They had seen the angelic chorus, and then I like to think, and now they return as the shepherd's quartet. <laughs> 
And now they're excited and they're singing. And, and, and I got a feeling they were just uh, letting it rip. They didn't really care what the sheep thought. They were grateful. They were thankful. Uh, why? Why were they so excited? Because the Lord had showed himself to a bunch of nobodies. And they got to see and be the first guests of King Jesus in the stable. Now, just pause with me. What do we have to be thankful for? I'll just assume for a moment that you're here today and you know Jesus. You've been born again. You've said yes to the cross, yes to the shed blood, uh, yes to the empty tomb, and you've received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and King. Why should we praise God? Why should we glorify King Jesus here this morning? Let let me just list off a few thoughts. First, we're no longer without hope. We're no longer without peace. No longer under judgment. Revelation 20, uh, when folks are going to be judged, no longer applies to us. So that's huge. Secondly, we're now children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm related to royalty. Can you believe that? And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're related to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We're now children of the King. Not just any king, the King. Third reason. We've got the third person of the Trinity living where? Where does the third person of the Trinity point? point where? Right, right here. Our very breath. And this is the same power, Romans 5 tells us, that raised Jesus from the dead uh, right here. Alive in me and alive in you. Fourth reason, we have a roadmap for life. We have a roadmap for how to live. We've got an instruction manual. And Give me your eyes. And when we do what the instruction manual says, this is how we should live, he blesses us. Oh, and by the way, there's warnings here and says, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get damaged. Uh, And don't do that, and I'll protect you and do it my way, and there'll be blessings. And Proverbs says that's better than gold. That's better than silver. Uh, First, second, third, fourth, fifth reason we have to be glorifying, praising God, we've got family. Would you just take a minute, look around at the family here? Go ahead. You can look behind you. Maybe you haven't looked yet. Yeah, who's kicking you? Okay, yeah, that's family. Uh, we got a family of believers in the church we get to live life with. Think about it. I get to laugh and cry and pray and worship and then use our gifts together to reach and change northern Michigan. Why does church matter? <laughs> because that's God's plan to reach and change the world. And now we get to be a part of that family, that local family here in Walloon. Uh, and the final reason is because the best is yet to come. We should be rejoicing because you just ain't seen nothing yet. I almost did Bubba Baby, but I chose not to. Uh, next breath, after your heart quits beating, you quit, you quit waving in your brain, next breath you get promoted And you get to be with Jesus, our King, face-to-face, new heaven, new earth, no more pain, no more tears, no more death, eternal joy with our King. 
Telling you what, we got a lot of reason to praise and glorify King Jesus. I, I would argue we've got more insight and more understanding than the shepherds do. Understand? Good news, great joy, which is for all people. A Savior has been born. He's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for using shepherds. <laughs> and thank you for the good things they teach us. And we pause just for a moment and we ask ourselves, how available am I? Lord, if you want to interrupt me this next week, am I willing to be interrupted? Are you open to the Lord saying, you know what, I, I want to... I wanna, just move your plans to the side and I want to use you in a way that you didn't have on your schedule. Are you willing? Another question, are you willing to share what Jesus has done even though you don't have all the answers? Even though... There's a part of you are thinking, I, I don't want other people to think I'm weird. Would you be willing to just start asking people, how can I pray for you? And maybe you're not going to do that with every waiter or waitress, but maybe in your way you can start saying, how, how can I pray for you? You'll be amazed at the conversations that get started. Here's my final question. Do you know Jesus personally? Is there clear evidence that Jesus has taken up residence and is alive and working in you? Do you know with certainty? Yep. He's in me. He's alive. I see his fruit. I, I, I sense his spirit moving and, and shaping. Or, or maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure. Or, or maybe even you'd be honest enough to say, I, I don't think so. Best gift that's available this Christmas is Jesus Christ coming and becoming a part and taking up residence and bringing new life to you. Did you know that's available right now? Jesus, I believe. I believe that you took on human form lived a sinless life, therefore qualified to be the sinless Lamb of God. You took my place on the cross. You shed my, your blood from my sin problem. You took my place in the grave early Sunday morning. Literally, bodily, physically, you arose from the dead. And you, right where you're seated, can cry out, by faith, Jesus, I receive you as Savior and Lord and King. Take charge of my life. I'm going to follow you. No turning back. Don't have to raise a hand. Don't have to walk an aisle, sign a card. Right where you're seated, you can do business with King Jesus. For all people. And now as the ushers come forward to receive the benevolent offering, Lord, we praise you for this opportunity we have to give and share a little bit of what you've given to us. 
Lord, might these gifts that we're about to give bring hope, bring encouragement to the church family, to those in our church body who are hurting and in need, and bring hope to those in the community needs program as well, who are hurting and who need a good dose of the hope and the love of your son, Jesus. We love you. It's good to be here. It's good to worship your son, Jesus. It's in his name.